Chapter 8 of Homecraft Rugs, Their Historic Background, Romance of Stitchery, and Method of Making by Lydia LeBaron Walker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joanne Turner. Rugs of Jute Yarn. Chapter 8 references color plates 11 and 12, which may be viewed in the online version of the book. Jute yarn is a modern needlecraft medium, especially well-suited to rugs for porches, verandas, sun parlors, and simple summer cottages. It supplies floor coverings corresponding to those made from fiber, straw, and grass, from which the smart modern rugs intended for these same purposes are fashioned. It is a loosely twisted male bundle twine that was brought out about 1921 in a wide range of colors, and in a twist and texture which, if a bit wiry, is sufficiently supple and similar to warrant the name jute yarn. It proved from the very first to be remarkably well adapted to the making of rugs. The three-ply yarn and rope yarn, a slightly twisted roving, are best for this use. No new craft is employed, and the medium can be substituted for others to suit the type of rug being made. There is nothing new about jute itself, for it has been known for centuries under the name of pote, but it was not until 1746 that it became known outside of India in jute rope. Since that time, it has become so important a factor in rope, twine, and even in textile manufacturing that it has a recognized rank with hemp for the first two purposes and with flax and cotton for the last, although in a far lower scale of value. It will be apparent from this summary that it is a decidedly unpretentious medium in rug craft, having its place as mentioned with grass, fiber, etc. It is important, however, in its potentiality since it supplies a medium for making rugs of a distinct type impossible hitherto in a home craft product. The three crafts in which jute can be used most advantageously in rug making are crocheting, hooking, and braiding. These are named in the order of precedence. The technique of construction can be found in the chapters on these crafts, but some special rugs that are at their best when developed in jute will be given in this chapter together with directions for their making. It lies in the discretion of the rug maker whether she makes the rugs in jute or another medium, however, for several other materials lend themselves admirably, such as rags, candle wick, etc. The four crocheted rugs that stand out as especially interesting are the India Druget replica, the embossed rug, the fancy grass replica, and the tessellated rug. The first two are as much for indoors as out, while the last two are more appropriate to sun porches, verandas, etc., sheltered out-of-door places in which decorative schemes are carried out more or less extensively. The India Druget replica is a unique jute rug consistent in character with the medium which comes largely from Calcutta, India. The border pictured, plate 11, was adapted by the writer from a genuine India druget. It is in duplex crochet, the simplified tapestry work described elsewhere. The colors are crimson and black. 
the red of the jute yarn corresponding almost exactly to the shade characteristic of this meander in India drugets. Its combination with black is necessary to be true to type. The plain field of natural colored jute is in the nearest tone to that found in India drugets that can be had in the medium. It is sufficiently near for the rug to be an excellent duplication of the genuine in color and character. It can be used appropriately wherever an India druget would be. The embossed rug in crochet is distinctly modern. It consists of a plain field with a contrasting border. On the field are sewed separately crocheted motifs arranged to form a design which may almost conceal the background or cover but a small portion of it. Color contrast plays a large part in the rugs of either style. For instance, a rug field of natural colored jute surrounded with a black border may have a round, flat, modernistic flower in old blue with a few rows of deep yellow for a center, while from the edges of the flower extend frond-shaped leaves that reach their tapering tips to the border. In this, the field is almost concealed. Or, an oval rug with a green field and black border may have three circular deep yellow discs with the centers of brown, to simulate oxide daisies, arranged in a row in the middle of the rug. Between them and the black border, four or six butterflies may be arranged, the number varying to suit the size of the rug. These scattered motifs leave much of the field background visible. Floral motifs comprise the chief units to be appliqued in these embossed rugs, which may as readily be developed in rags, etc., as jute, but at the present time the latter medium is popular. Jute rugs, reproducing effects found in the modern, colorful, and ornamental grass types, have the motifs made separately and assembled to form borders, and occasionally centers for the floor coverings. Flowers are of the modernistic disc sort, all in one color or with centers contrasting. Foliage is formed of elongated oval leaves, while buds are smaller ovals tipped with a deep tone of the flower hue. Shapes of flowers, leaves, and buds may be varied at the will of the rug maker, who wishes to follow nature more closely, but the customary formation is given. Any of the smart grass rugs can be copied, or the rug maker can do her own designing. A plain field is advised because the rug is easier to fashion and is also more durable. One or more borders can be used to suit the size of the floor covering, although one is sufficient. There must always be an outer border of plain crochet several inches wide to enclose the ornamental one. The plain band may be in the field color or black, or it may be in the former with a pin line of black at the inner and outer edges. The rug maker who makes her own patterns can do them to scale on drafting or plain paper. This is the professional method. There are women who prefer, however, to make the rug field and then crochet as many sets of motifs as will be needed to surround it. Any slight discrepancies in the length of the ornamental border and the circumference of the rug field can be adjusted until fitting together is correct, 
by raveling out a few rows, if the field is too large, or by crocheting a few extra rows, if it is too small. The rug maker should crochet a full set of motifs and make her arrangement of them first, and then crochet as many sets as will fit about the rug. Care must be taken to have the units fit together as closely as possible so that the interstices will be small, as is the case in the grass rugs made for commercial purposes. The shape of these ornamental rugs is generally oval or round. The sizes vary from doormats to those big enough to carpet a large sun parlor floor. There is no reason to eliminate oblong rugs. In these, borders come at each end only. If the rug is square, the border encloses the field, as in the round and oval shapes. Tessellated grass and fiber rugs are among the modern porch rugs that lend themselves remarkably to reproduction in jute. They consist of separate squares of natural colored fiber used alone or alternately with some one other color, such as brown, green, blue, or black. The squares may measure from 12 to 20 inches. The direction of the stitchery supplies a decorative element, clearly defining squares even when all are of a like color. It is an easy matter to make these rugs, for no section is very large and the work can be pickup work as portable as any other needlework. The finished rugs have a dignified smartness. See plate 11. To form a square, make a chain of four and join into a ring. Chain one and into the next stitch in the chain, make two close stitches. Into each of the other three stitches in the chain, make three close stitches. Into the stitch having but two stitches, make another close stitch. This finishes the first row. Make a slip stitch at the finish of the row and start the next row precisely as the first, with a chain of one and then two close stitches in the slip stitch. Crochet three close stitches in the middle stitch of each of the groups of the first row and one in all of the other stitches. Finish the row as the first row. Make each succeeding row similarly, always making three stitches in the middle stitch in the group of three in the preceding row, thus securing regular and even corners. The lozenge rug is an old-time rag floor covering. It is similar to the tessellated rug in that units are made separately, but it is of an entirely different character otherwise. Each lozenge, generally hexagonal, is fitted to those next it and crocheted in position. No two are necessarily precisely alike in colors, but a scheme should prevail such as dark or gay centers with rows of contrasting hues to lighter outer rows, or light centers with dark outside rows and brilliant tones in bands between. Black is used for crocheting motifs together, thus giving each a distinct outline. Such lozenge rugs are preeminently economical, as scraps of textiles or yarn can be used advantageously, it is only when color contrasts are artistic, however, that the rug is worthy. By a careful selection of tones, preferably few, and used in identical combinations in alternating lozenges, 
or arranged according to some well-planned scheme, the rugs become interesting. The hexagon unit is crocheted precisely as a table mat for hot dishes and requires no special directions. In turning from crocheted jute rugs to those in the craft of hooking, we find both three-ply and rope jute acceptable. It is unwise to shear the pile, since the material does not felt, and cutting the loops weakens the fabric. It is true that by very careful handling, a cut pile may remain firm for quite a long time, but it cannot be relied upon to resist wear. Its durability is sapped. This non-felting characteristic is always taken into account in textile manufacturing in which jute is employed, and home craft workers may well benefit by the expert skill therein exhibited. In hooked rugs, each stitch, when sheared, is separate, not even being connected by the felting of filaments that touch, as in wool rags. Also, jute has an inherent glossy texture that is somewhat slippery, and stitches will ease out of the foundation readily. Sufficient reason for leaving loops unsheared is apparent. The jute rug pictured is in genuine hooking. It was made by the writer when carrying on some experiments with the medium when it first came out. The rug has been in constant and rather hard use ever since, and is by no means worn out yet. The motifs were taken from an antique Dagestan. The heaviest rope jute was employed, and the coarseness of the medium necessitated decided enlargement of the pattern, but this does not mar the beauty. The double pointing of the field design immediately classes the mat as a hearth rug. The desirability of this type of rug is stressed elsewhere, together with the inadvisability of fashioning prayer rugs. The jute hooked rug is shown on plate 12. It may be mentioned that, as jute is a medium lower in rank than rags or yarn, the rugs, however attractive, do not belong in quite the same class. Speed in the making is therefore doubly desirable, and the punch needle immediately suggests itself as admirably filling the requirements as a tool of construction. It should be borne in mind that jute hooked rugs are distinctly for porches and for houses modestly furnished, for cottages and simple seashore places. They are not intended for the main rooms of a city house. There is a type of India druget with a deep pile. The designs in them are not different from some knot-tied yarn carpets from the Orient. The India rugs commonly come in large sizes. Periodically they have a pronounced vogue. They may be simulated well in jute, in rope or three-ply yarn, but preferably in the former. For the making of these, the punch needle lends itself well. For carpet-sized drugets, widths of burlap the desired length for the carpet should be hooked and then sewed together like a carpet, thus ensuring motifs matching precisely. It is important to have the colors oriental as well as the pattern. The third craft suited to jute rug making is braiding. The rugs are constructed as other braided rugs, except that three strands, at least, of the jute yarn are used in each strand for plating. Colors play an important part, as each jute strand may differ from the others, making nine hues in a single plate. 
Such a kaleidoscopic combination is not as pleasing, however, as more conservative color treatment. In these rugs, as in all home craft floor coverings, beauty is dependent upon the artistry of the rug maker. This artistry can be brought into good play in all the various kinds of jute rugs described. End of chapter 8